Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. Okay, if you got your Bibles, please grab them. If you don't have one, we can give you one. So, I noticed it's a lot smaller than usual this morning, which is quite irritating me because I'm here and my Chargers are playing. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about because you're here, but the football playoffs are happening right now and my team is playing against Kirsten's team and all the other, well, she actually has a Boston connection. A lot of you bandwagoner Patriots fans. Of course, you're not here though, are you? Because the rest of you guys, they're back home watching football. Let's pray for them. So one of my, um, well, I, you guys have seen my friend John Norton. I've actually, I very rarely say his full name because when you're really close with someone, you have a nickname for them. So um, I call him Norty, and we have this group of guys that we've met with since college. And right after college, he's kind of known as a guy that goes through phases. I don't know if you have friends like that. I'm into mountain climbing, I'm into botany, I'm into music. I'm, and so one of his phases, he went on, uh, his family went on a um, special trip where they went backpacking and they learned all kind of survival skills. One of his favorites that he liked to tell us was that when you're out in the woods, you can uh, use snow to wipe yourself. That was one of his big things. Yeah, I didn't know that either, and I'm never going to do it. Uh, so he came back. Do you guys hear that little whistle wing? Don't blame Eric. <clears throat> and that really deep, velvety voice, that's my sore throat. So anyways, he went on that, and he came back, and so the group of us guys, we went to go camping, normal camping. And as we're going camping, he's like, no. He turned himself into like the boss, like the master of all of us, and decided he was going to lead us this is a normal campground. I can't even remember where it was now. And he goes, no, we're going to go backpacking. It's not set up for backpacking there. And so he's so pushy about it that we're like, oh, okay. So we just keep following him. He has no idea where he's going. And we just keep following him. And we're starting to get irritated with him because we know he doesn't know where he's going. So we keep wandering, wandering. It starts to get dark. We're still walking because he's looking for the perfect backpacking place. We keep going. It's so dark. We just blow them off. We're like, we're done with you, man. So this is one of those great friendship times where you're yelling at each other and cuss words are flying. We've got very little water. We got no food. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We don't even know. In fact, we can't see because none of us were smart enough to bring a flashlight because we thought we'd be in a campground. So we're out here in the middle of nowhere. I wake up the next morning because we just plopped our stuff down wherever we could. And I found that we were sleeping on a hill, and we were all up against this log. And when I say log, I mean log. So we've slipped down, and we're all up against this log. You know when logs are fall down in the woods, 
there's certain creatures and insects that try to make that their home. Yeah. So that's all there. Here's the problem. We had the wrong person guiding us. We laugh about it now, but it's so important to have someone guiding you through life. Like, we're all seeking a treasure, right? Like, his treasure was the ultimate backpacking experience like he had when he was up in Colorado. Doesn't exist in East San Diego. So we are out here, and he's seeking this treasure. All of us are in life, aren't we? Aren't we all, when we wake up, when we make our plans, we're like seeking this treasure. But if you don't have a good map, if you don't have a good guide to get there, you're going to find yourself lost. It took us forever to figure out how to get back. But there's one thing for certain. We knew we were lost. And we knew we weren't where we wanted to be. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe some of you have experienced that. And like I think of uh, like all the teenagers that we're involved with now, we think about dating. And for some of you, you're dating now or you were dating. Who's guiding you in that? What's going to happen, and many of you know this, you find yourself lost. You're dating and you're messing things up because you don't have a plan. And who's in charge? You? I remember specifically, I had dated this girl for a long time and it was a disaster. And so afterwards I went, Lord, I'm done. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm handing this over to you. Which made me think immediately, oh, I'm never getting married for the rest of my life. Because that's what it feels like. If you're not in charge, ugh. Maybe it's, in, maybe it's in your spiritual life. Maybe it's in your health that you feel lost. But what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to focus on being lost financially. Now, <clears throat> I want to make sure you understand what we're doing here. I'm not going to be your financial planner. And the goal is not, okay, now this is how you can get rich. Because if that is your goal, you will find yourself lost. And nobody wants to be lost. So what we're going to do is we're going to step back and we're going to see what the Lord teaches about finances. We could have gone on all the other ways that we're lost, whether it be parenting or ethics or all these different ways. But specifically, we're going to focus on money and possessions. Because it's a pretty big deal. It's something that we have to get to understand. Because Jesus taught a lot about finances. So much so that it kind of, it kind of blows your mind. But before we start getting deep into it, I wanted to make sure that you understood whether you're lost or not. Because some of you may go, I don't think I'm lost at all. I think I got this pretty much handled. I got a lot of money. Or maybe you're like, I just don't care about money. So I want to try something here. If you answer yes to any of these questions that I'm going to give you, you're lost financially. Okay? <clears throat> if you spend more than you make in a year, you're lost. Yeah? If you don't know whether or not you spend more than you are making in a year, you're lost. You avoid thinking about money. Oh, I don't have, I don't even care about it. I don't even think about it. You know why you don't think about it? Because you don't want to think about it. Because if you think about it, you're going to come to the realization, oh my gosh, I'm lost. If you don't know how much you owe on your car and you don't care. If you think paying the minimum on your credit cards is good financial planning. If you aren't sure if you are saving 
enough. And most people are here. That's why whenever you go on the internet, they always have these little, uh, it's clickbait. <clears throat> They'll have these little articles. Do you know how much you're supposed to save? In fact, it always seems to know your exact age. Have you noticed that, some of you, when you click on there? Like for me, I'll click on there. Hey, you're 48. Do you know if you've saved enough for retirement? I'm like, how do they know I'm 48? That's how they do. A <laughs> couple more. If you don't know exactly how much you owe, owe others, owe companies, whatever you want to call it, if you have no method of tracking where your money goes, you're lost. If you have financial goals but no plan, if you're making financial decisions you hope your spouse never discovers, <laughs> you're lost. And if you've made financial decisions you hope the IRS never discovers, you're lost. So <clears throat> when you are lost, like we were in the woods, or if it's in your parenting, or if it's in your career, or whatever it is that you just, you know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I want to be. Something's not right. There's this pressure. There's this, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but I know you know what I'm talking about. It's this, you get frustrated, you get angry, you get confused, and if you really are going to go down deep in the layer, there's a sadness. And so all of that creates this pressure because nobody likes to be lost. It's this scary, confusing place to be. And so my hope is, is that during this series that you will turn to the Lord to be the guide for your finances, that you will turn to him and let him be in charge of his money and his possessions. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things um, from his word that hopefully will give us guidance, but it'll ultimately come down to us turning to him as the one in charge. So <clears throat> I was going to teach on this in December um, because that's when we're all the most lost, right? So it was all planned. I was excited about it, and then I realized it's just too late. Like if we start this, because it was going to be, I know it's not a typical Christmas series, but it's what everybody was going through, and there was this pressure, right? Well, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. If I don't do that, but I want to maintain this lifestyle. I want my kids to have this. They're giving me something. I better give them something. Oh, there's that party. Oh, there's this trip. Oh, I better, and then pretty soon you're a mess. So it didn't make much sense to share this in the midst of it happening because we were all so torn up and messed up and pressured, we wouldn't be able to really focus on it. Um, so here's the reasons why I waited. That's one of the reasons, because I wanted to wait till January. The other reason is, is it's like this new year. It's this new, new way to approach things. And even though most of you are still paying for December, it's probably the best time to know you're lost, but also the best time to go and to get out of being lost. <clears throat> and I want you to know this too. Um, I was telling someone about this series, and I was really excited, and somebody said, you know what? I know this guy, in fact, a lot of pastors, they teach on giving every year. And I was like, oh, no, it's not about giving. There are times to give messages on giving, but this is not because we 
want something from you. It's because we want something for you. That's the whole hope for this, that you would be set free. So let's start jumping into it. Um, First of all, before we start hitting you with some of what Jesus taught, um, you need to know how much he talked about it. He talked about money and possessions, the recorded words we have of him, at least 15% of the time. If you were to take how much he talked about heaven and how much he talked about hell and put it together, it would be less than he talked about money and possessions. It's a big deal. And over the next few weeks as we bring up passage after passage, experience of experience, of watching Jesus and God's word, you're going to see that it's a big deal because you cannot separate pieces of your life. Your, your finances are tied with your spiritual life, which is tied with your emotional life, which is tied with your relationships. It's all wrapped up together. So this is the passage we're going to focus on primarily today. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, to really understand this, we have to understand what a master is. Because most of us would not say, oh, I've got a master. I'm pretty sure none of you would say that. That's not a term we use very often. A master is the one in charge, the one that we get our direction from. Um, I guess you could say like a coach, but it's more intense than that. It's like when you're a child and you have a parent, that parent is the master. And especially as a child, it's where all of your focus is on. It's, what you, it's, it's who you think about the most. It's, it's who you trust. So a father is a great picture. For sheep, as we've looked in the word of God, that's why God used this, this terminology. It's like a shepherd, right? A shepherd's looking out for the sheep. The sheep know that the shepherd is the master. And yet we can see this and go, yeah, yeah, God's in charge. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I follow God. But let's break that down. And the best way I can break it down is by showing a time in my life where it became very clear to me. So... Um, we had found a way to weasel up a, a down payment for a house. And so we had that house, but then it was a duplex, and then we had the opportunity to get another house, but we needed to sell that house to get this house. So I was going to do that, but then somebody came out of nowhere and said, hey, why don't we just buy it together? At no point was I seeking the Lord, because I really didn't need to. I understand finances. I mean... I'm pretty good at it. I've had good models. I've read the books. I went to school. I took classes. And I had good guides, masters, people that were directing me that said, look, here's the thing about debt. It's not bad. This is what they would tell me all the time. Debt is something that you leverage to create money. And so as I was looking at this, and and something didn't seem right, but something sounded very right, because that's what I've been taught. And I'd seen it work time and time again. I mean, sure, there were times it didn't work, but I really focused on the time it did work. And so this particular person for the other house said, hey, man, this is, I love this term he used because it made so much sense when he said it at the moment. He said, this is high finance, man. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, high finance sounded great. Such a great term. So I'm like, let's do it. So we bought this house together, and there's all these weird arrangements. But we were in this house, and I had this other house. What? Real estate mogul, boom. And the thing about real estate, because I know about real estate, is you never let go of it because it always appreciates in value. So not only is it appreciating value, you can leverage that to get other things, but then once someone else is paying it off, even though you technically own it, once they pay it off, then you get the income from that. makes perfect sense. It made perfect sense to me. And so we, we have both places. We're moving forward. And then God screwed the whole thing up. Because I was doing this... I was studying um, finances in God's word. I mean, even though I had it all figured out, I was studying it in God's word, and I was preparing this uh, to teach the whole church and looking through all these passages, not realizing how much the word of God, and especially Jesus, taught about money and possessions. And so from Proverbs... I found this, and I didn't just read it. It like went boom, straight in. The borrower is slave to the lender. And so as I was wrestling with this, I realized not only do I owe on that house, but this guy that I bought this, now I owe him. And you, I could feel this faint pressure. But it didn't feel like I was a slave. But it didn't matter because God's word sunk into my heart and I knew God was saying, look, this is wisdom. Do you trust me or do you trust someone else? Are you going to let them guide you out into the woods or are you going to trust me? And we're talking big money here, five digits. To some degree, six digits for some other decisions. Whew. No savings, anything, everything's wrapped up here. And in every sense of the word, from the world's perspective, this was a bad idea to sell anything. But who's my master, right? Like, who's really in charge? It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it out. It's like when God tells you, you know what? You need to go and ask for that person to forgive you. You come up with every excuse not to do it because you really don't want to do that. It's the right thing to do, but you just don't want to do it because it just doesn't, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah. ha. There's so much you're risking. So what we did was we decided, okay, Steph and I prayed about it and said, all right, we trust you, Lord. Sold the place, paid that person off, have the house we have now. The mortgage went straight through the roof, and other stuff happened with it, but the most amazing thing happened. You know, I talk about being lost. There's another thing when you know you're right where you're supposed to be. This understanding, this I don't even want to call it a feeling because feelings come and go, but this peace that I was right where I was supposed to be, that I was taking care of my wife and my kids just the way it was supposed to be done because I didn't realize that I felt deep down like a slave because once that debt was taken care of, oh, you don't know it's there. That's why when everybody pays off their school loans or pays off their car, they do some kind of little party. Because, oh my gosh, it's not there anymore. This isn't the only passage, obviously, in the Bible that talks about finances. There's over 2,000. Over, I, I can give you the exact number, but I can't remember. It's like 2,300-something passages 
teaching us on money and possessions. This is just one of them. But ultimately, it comes down to who is our master? Who are we going to trust? It was the best decision we've made. And ever since then, I know what the world says about finances, and there's wisdom there. But who's ultimately our master? Where, who's going to sign it? You know what I mean? Like, when it all goes through and you have this discussion, who's eventually going to be the last one that makes the decision? Is it the Lord? Or is it the guidance and wisdom around you? This passage almost changed everything this morning. I was this close, but we'll get to the rest of Matthew 6 later. But this I love. And I chose the message translation. In your translation, whether it's NIV or whatever you have in front of you, most likely it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes through this whole, Jesus goes through this whole section, which we read this morning, you know, don't put your treasure here on earth where it can be destroyed, where rust can step in, where someone can burglarize it, where natural disaster can take care of it. Put your treasure in heaven where it can't be touched, which is another way to say trust God. And then goes down and down and down and then ends up here saying the place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be. And that's where you're going to end up there's such poetry in that, but there's such truth in that. So we need to also step back and say, what is the treasure we're really seeking? I, <clears throat> I was talking with one of my best friends, and he was telling me about his nephews. And it was rough to hear it because it reminded me of myself. He said, I, I can't even sit there at family gatherings with these two separate nephews. And they're on either side. One's on his mom's side, one's on his father's side. So he gets the double dose. He goes to one family gathering here, and he gets it over at this family gathering as well. And what happens is the young man is just always talking about money, always talking about his job or a possible promotion or she slide across. And it's all built on this idea that if I could only get that, then things will be good. Then I will be where I want to be. But Jesus is saying, this is critical to understand, Jesus is saying, if wherever our treasure is, that's where you're going to end up. And just a little bit earlier in Matthew 6, he says this. Actually, sorry, I think he says it right after me. Sorry, I almost lied to you. I don't want you to call me no liar. He says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, what that means is the way that they would look, because you hear that, you're like, what? The eye is the lamp of the body? The way that the culture would look at it was that what was inside of you would light up what's around you. And it's debatable whether it was considered physical or mental or spiritual. But we know for sure that what's inside of us is going to give us perspective on what's around us, right? The way you think, the way you feel is going to paint what's around you. For example, if you feel physically ill, life around you, outside of your eyes, is not going to look as good. 
And yet, if you feel fantastic or something else euphoric is inside of you, then when you look around, the same thing that you saw when you were sick looks 10 times better, even though it's exactly the same. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, and this refers back to who's your master. If your eyes are healthy, if the Lord is your master, if he's the one that you've given your life to, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, which means the master is not a real master. It's someone else that really doesn't fully know what they're doing. They're not the creator. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And I highlighted full of light and full of darkness because when I trusted God in that particular time, it felt like there was light. There wasn't literally more light around me, but it was this sense of there's light. And yet, there have been times when I've been lost. And you know what I'm talking about when you're lost and it's just so dark. It's almost like you're in a pit and you don't know how to get out of it. And as I'm sharing this right now, I've got to be honest with you. Like, right now, our finances are not good. Because in December, we made some dumb decisions. Well, we should do this. We should do that. We should do this. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've been there before. But the beauty is we just trust the Lord. Look to him. Not just, okay, Lord's going to fix it because that's not how it works. Okay, Lord, guide us. What should we do? What are some decisions that we need to make because we made a mess of this? We trusted something else and we got lost. But I know we're not going to stay lost. I'm not worried about it. So don't start sending us checks or dropping stuff under our mat because we're going to trust him. He's going to take us where we need to be and it's not that big of a deal because the money comes and goes. It rusts, it gets stolen, it passes. But trusting in him then you're full of light, but without that, you're full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is what we want for you. We want you to be set free. And I'm going to say something that <clears throat> is, could shake you. Because when I heard it, it shook me a little bit. I was like, whoa, 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 you're taking this a little too far. But then I thought about how much Jesus talked about money and possessions I thought about um, John the Baptist when the people were coming out. Go, what do we need to do to repent? What do we need to do to change? Three different groups. And Paul, I mean, not Paul, John the Baptist gave them different directions. They came saying, how can we turn our life around? And John the Baptist responded to each of them with direction involving money and possessions. They didn't say, hey, what should we do with our money and possessions? What do we need to do to repent? They came out like, what do we need to do? He gave them each direction with their money and their possessions. Why? Because it's tied to us spiritually. And John knew that, and so he was giving them guidance in that. And so here's the thing I heard that was controversial but makes so much sense. You cannot follow Jesus and choose to stay lost financially. You cannot choose to be an apprentice of Jesus and choose to ignore or separate your money and possessions from that apprenticeship. You can't separate it out. Because if we're going to follow him, we follow him with everything. And since he made such a big deal of money and possessions, then we need to pay attention. And it's not like Jesus needed our money. Look through the scriptures. 
Not one time did Jesus ever ask for money except one time, and it was to do an illustration about taxes. Hey, should we pay Caesar or should, hey, give me a coin. The only time Jesus asked for anything involving money and possessions, but he taught on it all the time because he wanted to set us free. He wanted us to be full of light. So as we go through this, we've got to start somewhere, right? We're going to start, obviously, in God's word, but you also have to make that big decision. Do I really want to stay where I'm at? Sounds like an easy question, right? But sometimes we just don't want to change things. Just keep it the way it is. I remember when our financial planner said, I think you should sell this. This one thing. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's going to change my lifestyle. I didn't say it that cool. I was like, hmm. Let me pray about it. But really inside, I was like, ugh, I don't want to change my lifestyle. Like, when we've had this. We like this. But you have to make that decision. Do you want to continue to stay lost? Do you want to trust him? Is he your master? Is he the one in charge? And the second thing is we have to decide, okay, where, where are we going to start? So one of the questions being lost financially was to know where his money and possessions are going. And so this is a tool we, uh, Steph and I lead this group for new marrieds and married couples. And one of the primary sessions is always on finances. And there was a tool that we found that was awesome. Because what it did was it showed you where you were spending money. I'm not a big fan of making budgets. Like if you just grab a piece of paper and make a budget, that's wishful thinking. Do you really know what you spend right now, where it goes? I mean, if it's his and we're stewards of that, we should know where it goes. Just because I say this is how I'd like it to be doesn't mean that's the way it's going to happen. How's it actually happening? And so there's this tool, free, 550 free. There's tons of other tools out there, but this one I know works. I know it's safe. And so what we did was, as a young couple, all right, let's figure this out. So we went on to this mint.com thing, and you tie in um, your bank account. So where's your money actually going? It's amazing how many ATM slices go through there. You don't realize that. Um, you don't realize how much you eat out. You're like, oh, we don't eat out that much. And then you see, Brrr. we don't shop that often. Brrr. But it takes all that, sucks it up, and puts it in categories. Sometimes it messes up the categories. You're going to have to fix them. But then you get to see where it's actually going. That's the first step, isn't it? How lost am I? So all you do, you start your own account. Maybe many of you already do that, but we need to start somewhere. We need to know where we're at. That way we can hand it over to the Lord. So we're going to go over this for the next few weeks. Um, we're going to give you different tools, but you have the one guide that you need. You have the Lord. And as you do this, my hope for all of us is that we'll be set free. That not only be set free, but that God would do something within us so that we're not so worried about ourselves, but as we're set free, we get eyes to see those around us. And we stop making financial goals just for ourselves. But we start asking the question, what are my giving goals for other people that are out there that are in need? Am I prepared for others that are in need? Now, that may be too big of a jump for you right now, but you got to start somewhere. So let's start here. 
seeking the Lord and say, okay, here's your stuff, Lord, which might be your first decision to come to the decision of going, okay, it's not mine, it's yours, Lord. Maybe that's where you have to start. But if you're willing to go with us, the goal that we have for the next few weeks is to start that process of getting unlost, going home, being where we're supposed to be. But all of that is wrapped up in us saying, okay, Lord, you're in charge. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to guide, um, let the worship team guide us. Can you stand if you're able or willing? <coughs> Father, uh, we look to you, Lord. We look to you for guidance and wisdom. We are your apprentices for those that have made that decision. For those that haven't, Lord, let them know what you want them to hear. We know this is a, a room filled with people at all different places in terms of their decision of uh, who you are and whether they want to trust you. So, Father, meet us where we're at, and we ask for your guidance and your wisdom, not just in finances, but in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Kim grabbed me this morning, and she said, Greg, will you close, please? I said, of course, Kim. It would be an honor and a pleasure, and I wish for every one of you that you had that opportunity, because what it does is on an average Sunday, for me, it really directs my focus, and I feel like I'm really attuned to what the Lord's trying to say, because I know I have to come up here and give account of what I've heard, and so next week, the good news is, and I'll run this by book later, but it's going to be totally random. Every one of you should be prepared to come up and close. <laughs> And it'll help you. I promise it'll help you. Now, some it might cause anxiety, but just pray through it, and you'll be fine. <laughs> but what I keep coming back to is just how blessed we are. And in this area, in this country, we have so, so much. And the thing is, it's because God is our Father, and he wants to bless us. And I look to my life and my dad, who is exceedingly generous and has been since I was a boy and would do anything to provide for me and my family and my brother and his family and our extended family. And just think how much more God loves each one of us than an earthly father is capable. So everything we have is a blessing and God has entrusted us with it. The thing is, how are we using it to then bless others? Because money is not a bad thing. The root of all evil is the love of money. And when, it's when we get our priorities out of whack that it causes problems. Money is great. It can buy sushi, and I love sushi. And <laughs> it can buy clothes to keep us warm and roofs to put over our heads. And it can also be used to support amazing ministries. It can be used to help end poverty throughout the world. It, but how are we using our money? And where is our priority? So I'm going to pray for us and then encourage everyone to go grab your kids.
go home. Don't tell Boog the score of the game because I'm sure he's anxious to get home and watch it. So, Father, we thank you that you love us so much, that you bless us with so much. Forgive us for when we lose sight of how to use money to bless others. And give us wisdom as we try to figure out what to do with everything you've given us. May we glorify you in every area of our lives, including our finances. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Time.